Welcome to Let's Meet the Virologist, a podcast about the people behind today's virology headlines, people working to understand viruses and how they affect you. We are talking with students, postdocs, and other virologists so that you can learn who they are and what they do. I am Larissa Thackray, and I am hosting this podcast from America's Heartland in St. Louis, Missouri. On June 1st, 2022, we talked with Arman Azad, a medical student at ICANN School of Medicine at Mount Sinai in New York. He received his bachelor's in neuroscience and behavior from Columbia University and worked as a journalist for CNN covering health news in COVID-19. His research investigated the immune responses to COVID infection and vaccination in people with HIV. Thanks for talking with us today. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, Uh, so my name is Arman Azad. Um, I am a rising third year medical student at the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai. Um, I am originally from Northern Virginia, but I moved to New York City for undergrad. So I've been here for, I guess, about five years now. Um, Currently, I am in the middle of studying for my first board exam, step one. So hopefully by the time this podcast is out, um, I have put that behind me <laughs> and it, it and hopefully will have gone well. Great. And can you sort of tell us how you first became interested in science, maybe medicine, um, and then maybe virology? Yeah, sure. So I didn't always know that I wanted to study something in science, study something in medicine. Um, I've always been really interested in actually like politics and policy um, and media and sort of that kind of world. And, you know, when I was in college, you know, I also realized that I really liked fields where I would work with people and sort of, um, you know, interact with a lot of people. And I spent some time uh, volunteering in an emergency department and sort of having clinical experiences. And I, I realized that it's actually something I really enjoyed. Um, and I also really liked science as sort of like a subject too. Um, and so, you know, I still wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do, but medicine seems like something, um, a path that I, that I wanted to pursue. Um, and I actually spent some time uh, in college interning um, as sort of a health journalist um, with uh, CNN. And so I kind of had this exposure to both media as well as science. And when COVID happened, uh, it was actually my senior year of college. And uh, I I went back to working uh, this time as a freelance journalist uh, covering the pandemic. And so, you know, suddenly everything was infectious diseases and everything was viruses. And so um, I kind of had this this exposure to the field of infectious diseases, Um, you know, previously, you know, I'd, I'd be working on stories about medicine and working on stories about science, but, um, you know, kind of across the whole spectrum. And essentially overnight, um, it was, you know, World Health Organization press releases, speaking with doctors and researchers about the virus, um, you know, incessantly checking the CDC website to see every new update, to see all the case numbers. And so I think that's how I really um, became interested in viruses and I became interested in virology and infectious diseases. Um, and then, you know, as COVID progressed, I uh, sort of was able to approach it from different angles other than just kind of the media side. Um, I 
was volunteering um, at the hospital um, as, as part of the COVID response there. Um, and then I you know, also started working in a lab at Mount Sinai, uh, Dr. Viviana Simon's lab, um, which, which was studying COVID at the time. So you know, I went from not really even knowing if I wanted to do science or medicine to uh, you know, feeling like kind of my whole world um, was, was viruses. <laughs> wow, how interesting. And how did you sort of get to your specific medical school institution, your specific lab? Like what were the things that kind of attracted you to those different places? So I actually applied to Mount Sinai uh, through what was called the FlexMed program. So it was actually a uh, early admissions program where I applied my sophomore year of college. Um, And I think that kind of offered me the flexibility to explore some other things when I was in college without the pressure of uh, applying to medical school, um, you know, sort of at the end of college. So I think that's kind of why I was able to uh, do my internship in, in health journalism and sort of get involved in that world. And then when I uh, began medical school at Mount Sinai, it was um, fall of 2020. So really in the midst of the pandemic. And uh, we were actually online for our first semester, which was a very weird way <laughs> to start medical school. You know, everybody was trying their best, but um, it, it's certainly not ideal. And uh, when we eventually were in person, um, it was actually uh, through my preceptor for one of our courses, um, Art and Science of Medicine. Uh, her name was Dr. Beverly Forsyth, and she's a disease doctor at Mount Sinai. And um, I basically asked her, I was like, you know, I, I'm really interested in COVID. I'm really interested in, um, you know, that topic and researching that topic. Uh, and she connected me with uh, Dr. Viviana Simon. And, um, you know, both of them were just so welcoming and so accepting and so uh, eager to sort of provide opportunities. Um, and so I began working in Dr. Simon's lab and I spent the summer doing research in her lab. Um, and so that's kind of how I, how I stumbled into that position. Um, but, you know, research was, it was not something that I thought I really wanted to do with my life. Um, I had worked in a, a lab in undergrad um, but, you know, I didn't really see research as being something that I, that I wanted my, my future to be. Um, I think that over the past two years, I've had such amazing experiences with people who have put so much time and effort into teaching me things and into, you know, trying to see me succeed. Um, and I think that, you know, when you're surrounded by really good people, it makes you really want to continue doing that work. Um, so I was originally, you know, maybe only going to be in the lab for this, the summer as sort of a summer research project, but, um, I have, have stayed there and I've continued working there. Um, and it's, it's been a great experience. I'm not there now as I'm (laughs) studying for step my exam. Um, and you know, I'm not exactly sure if I'm going to be able to continue working in the lab once I start my clinical rotations. Uh, but definitely having the experience of, of research and, and being able to be in that world is something that I'm, I'm really thankful for. Right. So can you tell us a little bit about that research then? What exactly did you do over the summer in this past year? Yeah. So um, my project uh, in the summer and, and sort of continuing, continuing after that was looking at uh, immune responses to uh, SARS-CoV-2 vac- uh, infection and COVID-19 vaccination in people with HIV. 
um, compared to people without HIV. So a little bit of background, um, the Simon Lab, you know, being in New York City has been involved with the pandemic response basically from the beginning um, and has collaborated with a lot of different people across the institution, um, you know, collecting samples from patients, um, you know, from, from the very beginning. And one of the uh, cohorts of participants that has been involved um, has been people with HIV. So, um, you know, we've had a really great collaboration with uh, Dr. Luz Lugo, who works at um, the HIV clinic at Mount Sinai West, one of our hospitals, and, um, you know, has, has been recruiting uh, people with HIV into the study. And so um, there have been a lot of questions, you know, ever since, since the beginning of the pandemic about whether people with HIV are at increased risk of uh, severe outcomes um, from COVID-19. And so this work has really been looking at the immune responses and seeing, you know, how do they, they compare in people with HIV um, to people without HIV. So, you know, the actual collection of those samples and recruitment of those participants um, predates me. So, you know, started long before I was in the lab, um, but I've been sort of continuing that project and analyzing the data, um, which uh, has been a great opportunity. Right. Um, and, and so that's what I'll be presenting at a, um, a, a poster at uh, ASV. Um, okay. So basically some of the, the early findings from that. It is a longitudinal study. So um, we are continuing to collect samples from participants. And so, you know, I imagine that by the time ASV happens, um, we'll have even, even more data, but um, it's, been, it's been a really good opportunity and uh, just really thankful for all of the participants who have been willing to uh, give their time, give samples so that we can all learn more. Right. And can you tell us not so much, I, we don't, I don't want to steal your thunder for your poster, but um, can you tell us sort of some of the techniques that were, you were using to do that work? So how are you looking at these immune responses? Yeah. So, um, so far, at least in terms of the research uh, that we're presenting at ASV, um, it's been really looking at uh, antibody responses. Um, so sort of that side of the immune system. Um, the Simon Lab has been working uh, very closely with uh, Dr. Florian Kramer's lab at Mount Sinai, um, you know, uh, to collaborate on the actual um, assay being used. Um, so, you know, sort of the, the ELISA for quantifying those antibody responses. Um, so, you know, my project, we've been looking at uh, spike binding antibodies um, and, you know, comparing in people with HIV and people without HIV, um, sort of those, those quantified antibody responses. Um, and, you know, our cohort uh, is generally people who are on antiretroviral medication. Um, so, you know, people who have access to care and who um, are receiving treatment. And uh, so far the, you know, data have been encouraging and suggest that at least in terms of the antibody response um, in people who, who have HIV and are on uh, medication, um, that it seems to, to be as robust of a response as people um, without HIV, uh, which I think is, is really encouraging. Um, and, uh, you know, again, we are continuing to collect data. Right. Um, but, but yeah, so that's, that's what we've been looking at so far. Um, I've also been working on a project, um, you know, in, in collaboration with a lot of other people in the lab, uh, looking at uh, sort of optimizing an assay for T cell responses. Uh, so kind of similar to 
the test for TB, the quantiferon test, the uh, interferon gamma um, release assay. So that, but for SARS-CoV-2, uh, which is still a work in progress. Uh, so don't have data on that for the, the population of people with HIV. Um, but, you know, hopefully one day we'll also be able to have findings uh, sort of on that side of the immune system response as well. So um, I guess, you know, you're, it sounds like you're moving out of the lab. So what are your next steps? And what are now after having done research, after having had some medical training during a pandemic, what are you thinking about doing for the future? Yeah. So, you know, I'm not exactly sure what I, I want to specialize in. Uh, emergency medicine is something that I've been really interested in, especially during the pandemic. Um, infectious diseases is also something that I am really interested in. And, you know, I feel like on, on the one hand, I have learned so much about infectious diseases for the past two years. That I'm like, what is the farthest thing from that that I can, I can do? But on the other hand, I'm like, I'm really passionate about this. And I know this is something that I want to continue studying. Um, so I'm not exactly sure what I want to do. Um, but I think that, you know, having medical school during a pandemic has taught me a lot about the type of work I want to do. Um, so one of the things I've been involved with, for example, has been the uh, student volunteer response to COVID. So we've had a cohort of now hundreds of students who volunteer their time administering vaccines, um, you know, helping run testing pods, a lot of different things within the health system to respond to the pandemic. Um, and, you know, I think that sort of emergency response and kind of putting things together and, and working as a team is something that I know I want to, to be a part of whatever I do. So I'm keeping an open mind, um, you know, going to medical school during a pandemic have not maybe had as many clinical experiences yet uh, because, you know, we were <laughs> online for, for, for a good period of time but I'm keeping an open mind. Um, and I think that whatever I do, um, having experience in research uh, is something that not everybody I think does, uh, you know, who wants to go and be a clinician, but I think that it's just such valuable experience um, because it really is the foundation of, you know, everything we know about medicine. Um, and, I, I hope that whatever career I do, I, I continue to have research involved um, in some way. And what about your experience with sort of media and journalism? That's a little unusual for a clinician as well. So how, how has that sort of shaped how you think about medicine and science? Yeah, you know, I think on the one hand, um, a lot of the, the work that I was doing was taking research papers and studies and, and that type of thing and sort of distilling it down in a way that can be communicated um, to the general public. Um, and, you know, that aspect of communication and, you know, clearly saying things in a way that is accurate, but also not too scientific uh, is I think a really important skill that I was able to work on and that I think is gonna be really important in clinical practice. Um, I also think, you know, the other side of it is not just how, you communicate with the general public, but also the fact that it's just so important to have that sort of communication. And it's so important to not just do science in a lab and not just, you know, do medicine in conferences and, and in patient rooms, but also be able to share those findings with the world. And I think that, um, you know, this podcast, for example, is an, ex is an example of 
um, kind of translating science from the lab to something that people can take with them on the go, learn about. And so, you know, that's also something that I think I want to be a part of my career, you know, maybe as a journalist, maybe somebody who's writing op-eds or, you know, maybe even on, on sort of the, the policy side. Um, I, I just think it's so important, but it's also something that I really enjoy. Um, and, you know, I think that more people should sort of, uh, you know, be able to have time that they spend on projects like that, as opposed to just um, the science and, and medicine of it all. Because I think that it's, it's obviously valuable to have the research, but it's less valuable if you're not also sharing that with the world in a way that, um, that people can understand. Right. Do you think that that has changed recently with sort of how people consume media or consume information? Do you think sort of the, not just the ability to interface with the public, but almost like the need to interface with the public, has that actually changed recently? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, especially during COVID, people are consuming so much information about science in ways that I don't think people did before. Um, You know, I mean, people are getting in kind of inside look into the great things about science, like the development of a vaccine, you know, so quickly, all the things we've learned, but also, you know, kind of the less glamorous side of science, which is that there's a lot we don't know, and that there's a lot of things that change pretty quickly. And, um, you know, I think that as a consumer, even as somebody who, who is familiar with the world of science, you know, can be, you can get kind of a little bit of whiplash sometimes like, oh, I thought we were supposed to do this. Now we're supposed to do this. We weren't supposed to wear masks. Now we're supposed to wear masks. And I think that for people who are, you know, in the world of, of research, those types of messages are maybe not surprising because that's how science has always worked. But I think that for the general public, um, that's not really how we're used to things happening. You know, if there's sort of like a dietary guideline recommendation, it comes out after 10 years of review and committees and everything, um, you know, versus everything is changing on the fly now. And so I think that we've really gotten an inside look into the scientific process and how that works. And, you know, the difficulty there is that it's not always that pretty. Um, And so I think that on the one hand, people have so much more access to all this information, which is great. Um, And hopefully, you know, access continues to to be open, you know, preprints and and sort of changes in publishing, I think are are really important and really great. But at the same time, um, you know, I think that there's a lot of work to do in terms of gaining trust and making sure that things are communicated accurately and when caveats are needed, caveats are there. Um, So definitely a lot of progress to be made, I think, on that front, but also a lot of opportunity for people to be a lot more involved in the research that, that affects them. Right, right. Great. Well, thanks so much. We look forward to your poster at um, ASB and uh, good luck on your exam. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, I, will, I will report back. Hopefully I am in a good mood at ASB if it goes well. This has been Let's Meet the Virologist, a podcast about people who study viruses. This is your host, Larissa Thackeray, and thanks for listening. You can find us on Google, Apple, Amazon Music, and other podcast providers or at lmtv.podbean.com.